0: Hey guys, welcome to Let Me Talk Podcast, episode two. This is it. This is my first episode with a guest, and I'm so excited to introduce her. She is a 21-year-old Australian actress. Some of you guys may know her as Xanthi Canning on Neighbours. Yes, that's right. Beautiful Lily Vandermeer is here today to talk all things acting, filmmaking, anything that you guys are looking for to know more about Lily this is your podcast this is the conversation you want to listen to so let's just get right into this episode hey girl thank you so much for being my first guest on the podcast I'm thank you so much for having me feeling crazy right now honestly like you're my first guest and I'm so nervous but I'm so excited to for everyone to get to know you a little bit more um but What we start off with on the podcast, what I want to start off with, with my future guests and you is uh, like a, ra- a bit of a rapid fire just to break the ice and yeah, to get you to answer questions that you probably normally wouldn't answer. Okay, great.
1: I'm awesome. down.
0: Cool. Um, So my first question is what actor do you admire the most and why? <laughs>
1: I laugh because I feel like anyone that even knows me remotely a little bit or follows me on Instagram would have to know that my favorite actor is Shia LaBeouf. Um, I am obsessed with his acting and I have been ever since Disturbia was the first film where I thought, wow, this dude has something really interesting um, and sort of like vastly differs from sort of the mainstream other actors that I was looking at at that time. So I am obsessed with him and he is my favourite and I think the work that he's doing now, especially through performance art and through more of the independent uh, film realm, which is what I sort of want to dive into more as well, is very inspiring and and my life goal is to definitely work with him one day and that's that.
0: We all have one of those, don't we? We all do. Honestly, like For me, it's J-Lo all the way. Like, I don't even know. Oh, that's so true. I just want to be in a rom-com. Like, obviously, I'm happy to be her daughter. I don't care. Like, just put me in (laughs) a film with her.
1: Just put me in a film with her. That's so
0: funny. No, I agree with Shia LaBeouf. I, I, um i haven't really followed his films but like i watched peanut butter falcon and that kind of yeah like that sold me like he's he's great in that and the fact that he's acting alongside an actor with a disability just like it literally makes my life so it's it was so great to watch that it was awesome i loved peanut butter falcon i saw that when i
1: was living in in the states um and the director um is incredible as well. And that film just, I think it really shaped a pathway for um, films like that to become, I don't know, more mainstream because that film took off. That was huge. And it was such a beautiful storyline and one that I think needs to be told more, but isn't. So it was really nice that that sort of got into that mainstream media more. I wish it, I actually hope it ends up on a bigger platform like Netflix or Stan that would be really cool because then you know the average person that's not into film the way that we are would have the chance to see films like that
0: yeah exactly mm. hey i've got another controversial
1: question um, oh comedy or drama drama oh my goodness okay i really dislike comedies and that's going to bite me in the butt saying that but I don't know what it is but my genre is definitely horror and thriller like psychological thrillers so for me a drama taps more on the side that I'm interested in. I can objectively appreciate a comedy. I think comedic acting is very difficult and it takes a lot of skill and talent to do that but I'm not sitting down on my Friday evening looking in the comedy section like that's just the the absolute last place that I will go to.
0: Yeah like it's honestly so weird because I love sitcom comedy and like rom-coms Damn. but like even when I'm on Netflix or Stan I just go to drama like straight away I don't know why like I like watching comedies but my, my appeal is like on Netflix is like drama so it's so it's so weird but yeah that I think <laughs> drama attracts a lot of people more than comedy but I I don't know, I feel like this year
1: may have changed because of 2020, but... (laughs) I agree. I definitely have uh, a lot of people that I know in my inner circle that are are very attracted towards comedies. Uh, So therefore I've started watching them, especially with the job that I'm doing at the moment because of COVID. Um, I get the chance to watch a lot of films while I'm working. And I've just been watching comedy after comedy after comedy, which I never would have had a chance to. So I guess I have a new appreciation for them. So thanks COVID for that, I guess. (laughs)
0: True, true. Um, This might be slightly obvious, but
1: TV or film? Film, yeah. a thousand percent yeah yeah um just oh my goodness i yeah i'd, I'd like do you have four hours because that's how long yeah. it would take for me to describe <laughs> my love for film but film uh, a thousand percent and you said you're
0: like for career-wise you're aiming for like indie film but would you watch more indie or blockbusters
1: I watch a lot of indie films purely because I, um, I'm i that person that scrolls through Netflix if I'm with someone and I'm like, I'm sorry, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that. I just grew up watching films that came out around um, the time that I was growing up. And then I went and only recently actually have gone back and watched like all of the older sort of classic, um, critically acclaimed films. Yeah. Um. So therefore, I think now I have more of an opportunity to delve down that indie film um, vibe, and also I just love um, independent directors. I think that big. I think there's something really special about those kind of films because I don't know if you've ever been on a set where um, I don't know when you when you don't have the pressure from. Uh, like a huge sort of blockbuster or a Netflix film or series that's being mass-produced and pumped out, when you don't have that pressure, um, you have a lot more freedom to create. And that's kind of when a lot of the magic happens. And I really love seeing that in cinema. And I feel like I've started to pick up on it a lot more, watching films, being like, I know that was ad-libbed. or that scene, the actors just kind of went with that. Yeah, Um, and
0: I feel like in America... It's like it's harder to find in like that kind of vibe, but when you get it, it's really great. And in Australia, I feel like there's more freedom because we there's so many of us that just do a lot of indie films, like, even if they don't make it anywhere, it's still that like mm. really good experience down here. I feel like that's what, um, is really just really good about even just learning the craft down here is that you can literally make an like a small indie film with your friends, and it's like it actually turns out to be really good but you know it might not get anywhere but it's still it's like a experience of like
1: feeling 100%. free and even the ones that um you know uh do have a higher budget uh for example peanut butter falcon yeah that took off and call me by your name like films like that that are that are run by an independent um production company that end up it, diving into that mainstream sort of world because of how brilliant they are, I think. And there's this Australian film called Baby Teeth. Um, yeah, I heard of that one. Yeah, they just—they actually tonight just won a bunch of awards, uh, a bunch of it's actor so crazy. Awards. Like, I want to watch yeah. it. I haven't had a chance, but I watched the trailer the other day, so I'm hoping to watch it soon. Yes, things like that that are really cool that just sort of take off off their own accord because it is a cool storyline and production.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, and my last question in the rapid fire
1: is, when are you most inspired? On set, for sure. And this year has definitely, uh, that is definitely cemented that for me. I could never specifically pinpoint it before that, um, especially when I was on Neighbours. But now I think not being able to create as much as I would have evolved well, at all, as much as I would have hoped this year, has made me realize, and, and I actually just filmed, um, I was lucky to be a, a part of a short film um, last weekend, and it made me realize it was the first set that I'd been on this year, and I realized, wow, firstly, this is what, uh, definitely what I wanna do, and also yeah. I'm most inspired and creative on a set, um, or sometimes in the middle of a really juicy, deep audition. That's really fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel like self tapes have become such a thing. Like they have been, but like now they're even more.
1: You know, Always don't have to do yes. it. Because there's
0: no other option at the moment. So like I feel like they're people are getting making them more of a fun experience rather than like oh, I've just got to get this down. Do you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people were falling into that trap of like I just got to get this down because I have no time. But now we all have like all the time in the world. <laughs>
1: For sure. And it it is kind of nice to appreciate when those, you know, not that I ever did um, before COVID, but you really do appreciate knowing how much everyone's struggling now and when an audition does come through and you have the time to really dive into a character and you you do have more days than what you would have last year. So um, I think it's also learning that, you know, it's, we're not going to have in-room auditions. Um, anytime soon so learning how to adapt to that and learning how to because for me personally I hate um, self-tapes I there's just just having to be you know I'm like put me on a set and I will and I and I can do it and then it's just creating that motion with either especially when during the peak of COVID um, and you were in Melbourne so this is this would have been vastly worse for you but trying to do a self-tape and I would record myself on my phone doing the other person's lines, um, and yeah, it was all just it was all just myself. And it just yeah. became so tedious to try and and you could do it, but what would take me, you know, ha- uh, half an hour in a self tape studio with another person would take me three to do it by myself because you're trying to get that emotion and tell someone you love them, then you're 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 telling yourself on your phone. So yeah, just, it just stops weird, up yeah. that like. That real
0: like that connection that you're trying to get, like, you can't really get that by just literally responding to yourself. So, yeah, it's just harder, (laughs) it's just just harder. Yeah, exactly. It takes a lot longer. Um, but yeah, I guess I kind of want to talk about um, where you started. Like, um, sure, you're kind of when did when did you start training? Like, and where, like, where did you start training?
1: so i grew up on the gold coast in australia um and i actually first started doing poetry recitals when i was six five or six um and i fell in love with poetry and language and words and then i realized that i wanted to dive more so into um screen acting and not so much as a performance, uh, to speak to an audience that was live, but to speak to an audience that was inside your mind. Um, so I started doing short films and I started doing extra work and I did anything and everything. And I would do any film that paid me no money for 14 hour days. And I didn't care. And, All I cared about was being on a set and learning, and that was amazing, and I suggest that for absolutely everyone. Um, I think it's a little bit mm, naive to... and and I just think you should do your groundwork always before attempting to, to leap onto something bigger, because... Um, I always said this, I was 15 when I booked Neighbours and I am so glad that for four years I did short films and extra work and was the absolute bottom of the ladder, I guess, in terms of of acting because I learned so much and I would have been so embarrassed if I walked onto that set that professional set that had been going for 30 plus years and was like, okay, cool. This is my first ever set. What do I do? And of course I was still very green, but I wasn't as green as what I would have been if I didn't have that experience and onset etiquette as well. Um, so I did, um, obviously I was in school and was, you know, just an average family, just mum and I. So, we didn't have um, a lot of money to spend on acting classes, especially not auditions. So I would get my neighbours or my friends to film them with me after school in my backyard or on a white wall. or um, My neighbor's audition was shot. Uh, we put a blanket over my TV screen to make it look like a blue studio screen. And oh, wow. I did it with my neighbour. Like it was, it, it was not glamorous and it was not... Um, l- really just random or luck by any means like I had been working on auditions after school in as a year seven year eight student year nine student etc um for a long time before anything came and I was getting rejected daily and I would you know I remember flying down to Sydney actually for um a home and away audition and I was way too young for the part um and I just remember thinking Wow! I don't care if I get told no because I'm I'm getting into a room and I'm getting to audition for this part and I'm learning in every audition that I'm doing. Um, and I think something that I've definitely tried to teach myself this year um, is that timing is everything. And as an actor, as it's very disheartening sometimes putting all of your energy, all of your effort, and research into a role and then hearing no or hearing that you got really 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 close and then they went another direction um there are so many variables as you know into into getting cast in something but I think the really nice thing is is knowing that timing is everything so neighbors I it was timing they needed a 15 16 year old I was 15 16 you know they wanted someone that was that was fresh and green and hadn't worked so um that's kind of how I started I feel like
0: Yeah, and I know that, like, I guess when we first, I first met you at TAFTA, so I know that you've kind of been in that, like, community as well a little bit.
1: Um, Yeah, so I started, yeah, sorry, sorry. (laughs) no, you go, you go, finish your question and then I'll keep rambling.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so for me, for me, when I started at TAFTA, I kind of, I found that community and I was just wondering if that was the same for you, like, obviously outside of, like, your school, like. Theatre community was TAFTA like the next kind of community that you found that you could rely on people oh, to help yeah.
1: you out? I mean, there isn't a huge um, what I always say about Queensland actors is that there isn't um, a huge network, there aren't like a uh, hundred million schools that you can choose from. So, um, TAFTA was the first school that I trained at doing their I'm pretty sure it was their pre-teens course and I did that every term um and then I would go to all their accent nights and their special training nights and then I would work on scripts all the time after school and um I showed up I showed up every week for years and years and years all the way up until I neighbors and I think that's that's what you got to do even when um, I was still doing Tafta courses when I was on Neighbours. I When I was in Melbourne, I was still going there and I was still doing them every night. After I finished a 12, 13-hour day on set, I would still go to the nightly Tafta course and work with with other actors because you never know. You can never know enough. You never know anything or everything. And there's always someone that can teach you something. And, and then when I finished Neighbours and I moved back, I moved to America and I did courses over there and then I even came back and I came back and I did courses since COVID um at the Warehouse Workshop and um at Tafter again and I just think that it yeah from other actors there's you, you're, you can always learn something no matter what age you're there's under, always that under, misconception though in. like especially
0: yeah, I get it like you know people think that once you reach a certain point in Australia, like if you reach like neighbors or home in a way that you don't really? have to train anymore, which is such a like the wrong way to go about things.
1: Yeah, because I don't know like where that's you come need from. To constantly
0: be training. Like I don't feel like if you don't keep up the training, it's kind of like you, you're an athlete. Like you have to keep training to you know, find new things, learn new things and absolutely discover more about the craft. But I feel like there's such a misconception here with people just thinking, oh, I don't have to train anymore. I've got enough training. Even if they haven't booked any roles, they just think, yeah, that's it. Like I'm done. I mm. can now just audition. And then they just don't understand why they're not booking the audition. So it's kind of,
1: yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, tapping on that though as well, you can be training every day and auditioning every day and still not book auditions. It's not per se that, that, that the courses book you roles. It's more that you're keeping your brain active in, in the way of um, learning new scripts and also meeting new actors because, you know, acting, you're not always going to have that person that you connect with. Like you've got to be versatile and you have to know how to work with people that, um, aren't very emotionally giving or you can see are only thinking about their line or et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah, I think I've never understood that mentality of um, actors who don't want to train because I think there's something really enticing about training as well.
0: Yeah. It's kind of a release. Like at least for me, it's always been a way to, escape me too
1: me too and it's so <laughs> nice to be around a group of people where you don't feel judged you're like i'm going to cry in front of all of you when i met you 30 seconds ago yeah exactly and i yeah. don't care That's like true. we're we're going to yell at each other we're going to cry we're going to do all this stuff it's going to get deep and then we're going to leave and we're not going to talk to each other for a week <laughs> and then we're going to come yeah. back and we're
0: going to do it all again exactly but it, it's yeah. such a, an amazing feeling like it's it's something that you can't really um, fit in like a bottle i mean what is that what's the saying like capture in a bottle like i don't even know like every class that i've been to i I can't really describe the feeling of it because it's just something unique Mm, i agree it feels like it feels incredible just to be a part of a course or like a school and yeah and not even not being able to explain it to people of what it feels like kind of is kind of awesome at the same time as well
1: i agree yeah
0: Cool. So, I guess what I um want to talk about is like when you started at Neighbours. What was the culture like? Was it like friendly, or was like were the cast kind of competitive with each other? Like, what what was it like? Because I know it was like your first like real professional job on set. So, like, how Mm -hmm. did you come into it? And I know you were the youngest like one of the youngest I'm not sure if you were the youngest but like one of the youngest cast members so was it a like what kind of culture I guess if that makes sense
1: um it's so difficult to pinpoint this question and I do get asked it quite a lot um I came into a show that was you know running on cogs that had been um condition for 30 years so I came into something that was already uh, in a vastly long um production line you know and there were ways that things were done and there were um certain structures set um not even necessarily like I'm just talking on set but you know green room and and behind the scenes and you know average day on set kind of stuff that had been implemented years and years and years ago by you know the actors before me and so on and so forth so I sort of just slipped into that production line really um, of how things were done and you know where I sat what I did and um, all that kind of stuff. I, I had a different experience because I was so young, so vastly young to be on a show that was so fast paced. And there are definitely moments um, where I look back and think, wow, what an interesting upbringing, because I really was raised not only by, you know, my parents as everyone else, but by a crew. And I did feel for a very long time that my personality was just a mixture of the crew and cast that I surrounded myself with every day because I was too young to create my own. Um, yeah. So I think there were definite pros and cons to being uh, on, and this is just generalizing um, conversation as well. This isn't as specific to Neighbours, but I imagine, and I've listened to interviews with other actors that were the similar age to me growing up on sets. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a reason why the, the connotation and the saying of, oh, that childhood star, oh, they went down that path. There's a reason that that exists. There's a reason that so many people sort of lose their minds a little bit and have a really hard time when they start on a set so young is because they grow up and their personality is molded by the show and molded by their character. Um, so I was really lucky to not go down that, that um, path. because I was surrounded by really great crew members and really great um, other actors that that sort of guided me and had been in the industry for years but objectively now I can see the way that I could never see before I was on a set that young why some people do really struggle with um, identity and with um just, just defining the line between a character and yourself because it's so easy to just blend those into one. So, um, yeah, in terms of that set, especially as I mean, as you know, you spent some time um, on the show and and shows that that run at a pace that that quickly. Um, you live and breathe it. I was the you yeah, know I was so up at four thirty most mornings and we would shoot nights and if we were shooting nights, I wouldn't finish until. Um, get home at eleven or later, and then we 'd be up at the same time again and that was my life for three and a half four years and it was amazing best best experience that i've had so far um, and i wouldn 't change it for the world, but I grew up very quickly and i and I had to grow up very quickly to keep up with the um the mechanics of the show and of and of that production I guess yeah
0: and kind of keep up with what was needed from you I guess as an actor and what you kind of had to
1: give oh for sure you're not 15 anymore They, they, they don't care like there's no difference between you and the person that's been working there for 20 years you're both you both are just as responsible um for the show as anyone else like just because I was younger didn't mean that I could ever show show up late like I would never dream of that in a million years I always knew my lines I was always prepared and ready because there is no age. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's no age on a show like that you're all just professional working actors and you have to um really show up which is amazing work ethics really so and it's
0: kind of really good to know that like you're like a family and stuff and it's good to know that like even your experience you weren't being like put down or anything like that because i know that potentially there might be some people out there that have been on sets that it's been like that but like the fact that you're saying that like there's literally like no age kind of everyone's equal is awesome to hear just because like i mean oh
1: but also in saying that like i would never put myself on 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 the same level as as the greats you know as as oh, jack and sure. alan and colette like there's definitely um a, a place and a tier of um of respect for those actors but um yeah you don't get away with any more or any less is what i is what i was i was sort of trying to say no one's
0: yeah for better sure. than
1: anyone else which is which is really nice and and they're all very humble as well, which is amazing, but I definitely have of course like a lot of respect for them and and always did and always will for those um characters. yeah, I feel
0: like that's kind of where like they're like on the top, do you know what i mean and you and you kind of go to them for a, for advice, i'm assuming, and always yeah and you 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 want it, you'd want to keep that respect, i feel like once you lose. The respect of like older cast members as a younger actor, or even the crew, you can't. You're kind of going on like on a really not a good track. And I've oh, seen, yeah. yeah, I've seen some of it happen just in general, like on short film sets and stuff, where you know the actors aren't really respecting the crew. And me coming now Awful, from a background, like a film production background, I'm kind of understanding how like hard. They work like we're we're actors, and we 're there, oh. and we work hard for what we have to do, but they're up like so much earlier than us, trying to get yeah. everything set up so crew's, we-
1: crews always there before you, and they're always there after you, and I always 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 say that runners end up becoming producers, so literally it's it's like if you're nasty and i've seen it absolutely like on on the show and on productions, where there are actors that their egos are sitting a little bit too high and they're not kind and then they don't treat the crew with respect. And I'm like, that will turn around and bite you one day because they will be making brilliant films. Everyone on, everyone on a film set, like no one says, I want to be a runner. I want to run actors all day. That's, that's no one's, That's no one's goal. But you have to start somewhere the same way that no one's goal is to be an extra, but you have to start somewhere. You got to do it. And that's where you learn and that's where you make contacts and that's where you make friends. And that's when you can observe. There's nothing wrong with
0: being an an extra. Sorry. Like, I feel like that's so like in so many young people, like actors, like I'm not like, not trying to say everyone, but like, I mean, some people that I've had interactions with, it's like, Oh, you're an extra. Like, you know it's kind of that oh really but like i've done great. it for so many years and I, I like had so much fun just because i i got to Me be on too. set you know like i, I was just pretending like pretending to see what it was like i was actually on set and like yeah being told where to go and everything and i wasn't allowed to speak but it doesn't really matter because you you're at least getting the emotion of even like doing blocking
1: but I think that's um what people forget though is is it's the same in the crew and with cast with being an extra is that's like training by being an extra by being on a set by not being able to speak by not having demands by by seeing other bigger actors you learn on set etiquette and you learn to respect the craft and the crew and the production that's happening and you and you learn about what the bigger picture of the film that's being made I think everyone should do extra work before extra work and short film work and and supporting roles and I think everyone should dabble in it at least once in their life if you want to be an actor for Mm. sure I feel
0: like it's so important just to to get a feel for it before you like you know, because you never know what's going to happen next. Like, if you, oh, absolutely, like for you, like you trained and stuff, but you and at six, 15, like you were on neighbors, so it was, it was so like kind of pity, pivotal for you to have that experience before. So then, at least when you were on neighbors, even though you were still like inexperienced, you were experienced to the point where you kind of knew. Like the role your role and what everyone else was supposed to be doing, you weren't completely lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but kind of so moving like forward with neighbors and like obviously at the time you were still like kind of in high school, I'm assuming you were doing high school like on set. But I just kind of (laughs) know. No. No. Did you start off doing high school on set and then you kind of dropped off? Because I know sometimes that can happen. Like
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of an interesting story. Um, <laughs> no, so I I was very dedicated to my schooling and it was something that I found really difficult to let go of. Um, but yeah. because I was filming such vastly long hours um every single day that it wasn't gonna drop off. I did um online schooling for a term and really struggled i didn't have time to to um have the help that i needed and it just wasn't healthy for me because i'm a perfectionist and i, I wanted to get those marks and i couldn't and i just thought look i would rather put 100 percent into neighbors than, than then at the end of the day it ended up coming down to i had to pick between neighbors and school and i picked neighbors oh wow yeah yeah I so just I technically like, finished in year 10
0: not gonna always be there but like school is um,
1: but also like to, for the industry that I want to be involved in I can teach I learn through different pathways that don't include the um education system that we have at the moment so it wasn't pivotal for me it wasn't yeah dire for me to keep doing that so I, I sort of just let it go and I'm really glad that I did because I put more energy into my work
0: yeah that that makes total sense I feel like even whoever's listening to this as even if you're just a normal student I feel like high school's not like the be all and end all like you get that in your head driven that into your head so many times at school and then you get out of school and like if you're doing something like we're doing you kind of work out okay like if I don't want to do uni straight away and I want to focus on acting or I want to focus on something else in the creative industry like that's okay because university is still going to be there and if I want to go back to it I can go back to it but absolutely yeah I just feel like it's yeah it's kind of instilled in us that like high school is the be all and end all when it really isn't
1: absolutely I agree but
0: um yeah so what was your high school life before neighbors like what kind of what group were you in? Like, where did you fall?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hate this question. Do you? Um, it's so interesting though, because it's
0: it's interesting really? to see what people were like before, you know, you kind of hit that, like, breaking point in your career.
1: Mm, mm, mm. Um, what group was I in? I wasn't in a group. I that's good you oh man good, social, I feel like. social high school norms is just a topic that I could dive into for hours and hours that I never have because I haven't ever come to a conclusion about <laughs> what I what I think and why people are structured the way that they are um and what makes people uh, do the things that they do to other people in high school. I had a really great experience. Can you tell? I'm not bitter about it. Yeah, at all. yeah. You had um, <laughs> a really top-notch
0: experience. No, but oh yeah, high school's really brutal for some people.
1: It it is, and I really experienced um, all of that in its truest forms. But uh, yeah, I ended up. You know what? At the end of the day, um, I'm not bitter about it anymore because I ended up working with Headspace um, on an anti-bullying campaign in Surpre, which is you know, one of the biggest clothing companies. And and I thought, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had that experience if it wasn't for the way I was treated in school. So it is what it is. Also, I think that at the end of the day, um, it shapes you to be the person that you are now. I definitely wouldn't be the person I am without the experiences that I had. I wouldn't recognize the red flags in people now and the tenancies now if I didn't have those experiences back then so I'm grateful and I'm finally in a place now where I can say that I am grateful and genuinely mean it Um, and I can walk down the street now and this took me a really long time this did take me up until the end of last year which is if that's that's nearing on six years since I'd seen these people where I could walk down the street and if I saw them and I was alone and they were all together it really genuinely wouldn't faze me and I wouldn't be bothered by it and my anxiety wouldn't make me spiral um so yeah I guess it I, helps like,
0: though yeah. like being able to exp- like because I know you had a like bullying storyline on neighbors and stuff so I guess it helps with like um, I mean, yes and no, because
1: a little bit, yes and no, I definitely, I, I don't really bring my own experiences into a character into a character. Um, and I also wouldn't want to give that satisfaction of thinking about it any more than I need to. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm at a, I'm in a really good place now and, and I have a, a really great group of people around me and I, I don't, I honestly genuinely, don't think about those people anymore and those experiences. Whereas, you know, me five years ago before I'd worked through it and grown and become my own person, it was something that haunted me all the time and that did make me very insecure. And then you get, you really do get to a point where you go, wow, that was such a tiny insignificant world that to, at the time meant so much, but in real life, like my goodness, it means nothing. And I'll never see those people again. then, I wish them all the best yeah. for what they do but we're on different paths and I'm so grateful that we're on different paths. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> exactly.
0: Like I feel like I don't know, I just feel like when you grow up like to a certain point and you just you just realize that like the people that are in your life now, the ones that matter and like the experiences that you went through at high school at the time seemed so like major and like life-ending but you know, now you're at this point that, like, it doesn't affect you anymore. Oh, exactly. I feel
1: like,
0: I feel like for me especially, like, I've kind of, I didn't have the greatest high school experience, but I, like, I was never the popular girl either. I was just, you know, like, I guess you could say like a floater a little bit through like all high school until about year 12, I was like, you know, group to group, not really, haven't, hadn't really found my people. Yeah.
1: and then now do you feel like outside of, like, I'm, so, I'm actually so grateful that I didn't find my people in high school because I look at people that have still that, that group from there and I'm like, wow, but there's so many other people that you could meet that have, like, Yeah, I feel like acting, acting
0: opens me up to a lot of... Um,
1: me distancing. too, me too. Like, acting and films and theatre and books. Just and like-minded people music, that, that yeah.
0: have to, like, don't have to question what you're doing, like, I I found it so hard being in Australia and doing what we do because there's so many, even people in, like, family and stuff just don't get it. But when you find those people that are like-minded, you're just like, okay, like, I, I, I gel with you. Like, I can... I and guess. I love
1: that like I love that my friends and my network is, is surrounded by people that are interested in similar things to me and even even our friendship you know like we've met people through each other and we already have the contacts that you have of people that are going through the same things with the whole moving to America thing and then Australia and navigating all of that it's like why would yeah. you even bother delving on on like high school things when you've got you've got this whole new world and all these new amazing people to involve yourself with so yeah okay, that's
0: like that being <laughs> in this industry is a privilege because you get all that amazing
1: like oh, you build all these amazing connections and you get intelligent people to be surrounded <laughs> by
0: exactly exactly well talking about la seeing as we brought this up um yes. We actually connected recently, like, and I'm so cut over COVID because that oh, is so... too. Like, <laughs> we literally, like, planning to, like, meet up when you got to LA and then COVID. Yeah, and I, was like, oh,
1: so yeah, and I remember asking you so many random questions about day-to-day living in LA and, yeah. and, and i then was like,
0: of- so happy to talk to someone that asked me these questions because I, I honestly just needed to, like, vent and, like... Vent, yeah. Get,
1: it's, get it's, it out. Um, Oh, wait, ask me a question first before I, before I <laughs> go on a tangent again. Well, I guess I, I didn't really have a
0: question. I just kind of like I was trying to get a question, but I didn't think about a question, so I was just kind of
1: thinking okay, about like l a experience <laughs> yeah,
0: like you're obviously planning to go to l a and this is your second time going to l a
1: Yes. like to live there second time for, you know, a vast amount of time with no return ticket. Yes.
0: Yeah. And then COVID. So how, mm. and now you're working in a normal job. Mm, oh so how, Yeah. How's like, how that transition for you? I guess like, and is it purely just working towards savings for LA? Yeah.
1: The inside scoop. No one knows that I've been working in a warehouse. So let me tell you all about it. Um, so I lived in America last year my goodness, the years are now starting to blend together. Last year I lived in America for six months uh, around that. Um, And then I had to move because I was in the process of getting my green card um, residency, like um, all successfully done and finished. And um, that was a really long process. It took about three and a half years and a lot of my savings. Um, and I flew down to Sydney and I did the interview and I had my flight booked to move. So basically a green card is where you, live, you can live in the country for 10 years. Um, and it means that you're like an, an extraordinary alien in your field. Um, and so yeah. they're really, really, really difficult to get. Um, this is this was is my biggest life achievement so far. To put that into like in terms of just how vastly big this was and how much this meant to me, and everyone around me knew how long I had wanted it and how much work went into it. Um, so many documents, my goodness, I can't even get into it. But um, yeah, so much. I it was, yeah, it was wild. I had my flight booked for the end of March and the morning of, I remember <laughs> watching the TV and my mom was like, Lily Vandermeer, you cannot go to America. COVID is hitting, like, we didn't know what it was at this point. And I looked at my mom and I was like, mom,
0: <laughs> you know like, how long
1: I'm, I've, I'm going. Like, this is my career. I was <laughs> like, it hasn't reached America. It's not going to reach America. It's only in Italy, um, And there's only in like sparse countries. I'm not going there. I'm going to be fine. And then the morning of my flight, it was, it was like headlined that America had shut down and Australia was going into lockdown and the borders were closing. And so my flight was canceled. Um, I couldn't move. I just thought, you know, I'll be in Australia for an extra month or two. I'll fly over my green card. So basically, you get a temporary green card for six months to activate it, and then you have the green card for 10 years. So I had until July to activate my temporary green card, July of this year. Oh, and wow. it was it was nearing July, and, and the anxiety levels were getting very, very, very high at this point. And I was talking to my management in America, my team over there, and my team in Australia, and we were like, what do we do? Do we apply for an exemption to leave the country? So I did. Um, and then, th- and then the night again. I don't know what it is with me and timing, but the night before I booked my flight, the Australian government implemented the three thousand dollars quarantine rule, and I just thought, I'm in living in a global mm-hmm. pandemic. I cannot afford a three thousand dollars bill. Um, so I ended up staying. And I am currently in the process of applying for an extension for my visa, which means more paperwork and more time and more money and more Um, waiting. But I am so grateful and I'm so glad that I stayed in the country um, because America just, went insane with COVID and I'm glad I wasn't involved in that. And also the industry shut down over there and there were no in rooms audition in room auditions and there were no productions and all the waitressing jobs. I remember talking to you like slowly, quick and then and then overnight there were no waitressing jobs, which is what I was relying mm-hmm. on to pay my bills. Mm-hmm.
0: Um and you have and, to do that. Like that's what's yeah, like, do. yes it's yeah. like the cliche like actor thing, but you have to work like I mean, depending what job you get, like, if you're lucky and, you know, and you have a production background, like, I had a production background, and you're lucky to get a PA job straight away, but, like, and you're doing something you
1: love, but you're still getting paid, like, $15 an hour. Minimum wage, yeah. And I think that's something that, um, oh, I've had the comments so many times, oh, you're an actor, oh, so you're a waitress, and it's, like fuck yeah, I'm a waitress, like, fuck, I'm doing anything that I can to pay my bills so that I can become an actor, and, like, that resentment just makes me want it even more from other people, but yeah, I couldn't, I could not plausibly live in America without having a nine-to-five job, Um, so I stayed in the country, and yeah, for a while there, I didn't work, and I was, I was auditioning very sparingly, I made a post about it on Instagram the other day, just sort of shedding light on that, about Um, being used to, I mean, I I was very grateful and very lucky to be an actor that did have up most of five plus auditions a week. And I have a team in America and Australia and, and um, that all sort of, and they backed me through this entire pandemic, which is amazing. But Um, And we were constantly having conversations being like, what do we do? Like, what's our strategy? Do I go over? Do I stay? What's the plan? And my management in America has always, always, always been like, we want you to move here, Lily. And we wanted you to move here yesterday. And for the first time ever that I've been with them, they were like, there's no point in coming here right now. Like the industry's shut. Um, Please stay safe in Australia. So I've been working in a warehouse um, for a really beautiful company called James Cosmetics. Um, And I'm packing eye masks and, be- all things beauty, and it's really amazing. I have the the absolute most incredible team, and I have learned so much. Um, and it's nine to five every day, and I love it. And I it gives me um, like brain time because we we're packing so many orders, especially with Black Friday sales right now. It's like three thousand orders a day, um, but not, not that much. That's that was a little so bit fun. of an exaggeration. It was a lot, yeah. But it gives me time mentally to. Um, learn auditions and I'll do them before work or after work and my te- like the team there is so um, supportive with what I want to do which is which is a really hard thing to find and it prepped me for getting a job in America and so it, it is it, I'm trying to just find the grateful yeah. positive things out of this time um and Honestly, that's what you have I'm gonna, to,
0: because it's difficult like, Yeah, and you can't be in LA right now, and you can't really—you're not gonna be able to change that until something, you know, until science. (laughs) Posted.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, But yeah, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I was
0: so like, because when you when you rang me up and you and like when we spoke, I was like, wow, like I didn't even know. Like I kind of, I spoke to you as if I knew what the hell was going on, but at the time, like I was in the worst. (laughs) Like mental space, but I was yeah. like, I've got to do this because, like, you know, at the same time, as you probably needed support, like, I needed support too, like, just to hear yeah.
1: someone. And, and that's, shit. that's like the hard thing about right now that, that people um, are sort of hesitant to talk about is that everyone is in a really mentally tough, challenging time right now. And it's, it's been, um I'm not ready to talk about it you know and I know a lot of other people aren't either but I know that by speaking to other actors the similar like dark boat that we're all in um just creative wise and it's scary and it's like you really gotta lean on your friends and even people that I don't really know I'm reaching out to and being like hey if you need anyone like talk to me and and I'm not going to be that person that's sitting there giving you all the positive shit. Like we're going to talk black and white, but that's how it has to be right now, because there really isn't, there really is no point in, in sort of pretending that life isn't great right now. And that as an actor, it's really difficult, but that's okay. Because at, at least at least every other actor is feeling it as well that's the that 's the positive thing that I take from it is that at least for the first time you really don't feel alone and you know that you aren 't alone because every other actor is really feeling it too
0: and I feel like um this might be going off topic, but like I feel like another thing that makes like actors also feel alone is seeing like um I don't know I guess with like representation and stuff like if you're if you're an actor that isn't represented like you kind of feel a little bit less than like I don't know coming from my experience and I was just wondering have you ever had that period in time where you kind of felt like people were ahead of you in a way like did you ever feel like someone being oh. like, been ahead of you or like you felt kind of less than to someone else? story <laughs> <Zoe>, every day. <laughs> yeah, every day. literally, so like, you've obviously been, you're represented now, so I guess have, is there a point in your um, career? That,
1: yeah, yeah. It's, look, it's I've been, now. I have been very blessed to have had representation <laughs> since the start of my career, so I, I would be lying if I said that I knew, um, you know, in detail what what you're referring to but I can relate in the sense of and I have this conversation a lot of um and I'm trying to this year but you know as I'm sure you're aware it's really hard when you see people who book roles that have never trained have never gone into an audition have never put in the work have never been told no have come from Uh, I won't name specific industries, but modelling or influencing or taking photos of of fit tea and suddenly that following online gets them a role that an actor who has been working for majority of their life, training every day, um trying to make ends meet for rent so that they can keep doing things doing plays and short films and films for free all to book a role all to see someone who who has never understood and never will probably understand that struggle is really disheartening and yes it happens in every industry but there's something about there is no piece of paper that says that we have that says that we're an actor there's there's no degree there's no i mean you know what i mean there's no um there's There's
0: no no legitimate
1: like yeah um and that's disheartening when you see oh wow that was really easy for them to get it why is it so difficult for me Um, but every actor goes through that. So, but yeah, I definitely do have those moments, but then I must also say on the other hand of that, that when I see an actor that I know, um, or that I, that I don't, maybe don't know, but can see, um, that they have worked for years and years and years and years and and finally gotten their big break. I'm like, yes, yes heck yeah, I'm so happy for you. I have no idea who you are, but I'm so happy that your life has changed and that you have gotten this role and that you get to play the role of your dreams. Like, so, so, it, so it comes at both. Yes, I do feel um, that comparison and um, a little bit less than other people. And, and the confusion of being like, oh, well, if they have a following and they went down that social media path, do I need to do that? Is that how I get a role? Oh, for but, sure. but then I look at, Sersha Ronan and other brilliant um, huge actors that don't have social media and I'm like okay no that's I don't want to go down that path I don't want to be that so therefore I'm not going to do it and then that's when you got to just try and find that sort of um, feel but yes I've definitely felt that to answer your question I know people talk about a purpose And I know that that gets lost in the world of, um, like ego and universe and all of that kind of, um, like astrology stuff, but I don't mean that in the sense of purpose. I literally mean that as in, if I wasn't doing acting, I don't know what else I would be doing. And I don't know why I don't know why I would, would be here if it wasn't for that. Yeah. Um, and it's the only thing that I care about. (laughs) <laughs> and that sounds really sad but it's not sad to me like it's genuinely the only thing that I care about and and it's the only thing that I want to do and so when people say to me do you have a backup or what happens if it doesn't work out I'm like well it won't ever not work out because what what success is to you is different to me and you know, if my name never becomes a one that every household talks of that's not success to me. Success is telling stories and getting to be on a set and being real and raw and connecting with another actor and making someone at home feel heard and feel seen and feel less alone and, and exactly and take so them I out totally of the place is. that they're in that's yeah. that's literally it so
0: I a hundred percent agree with that. I feel like when someone words it as like watch your backup that always like i swear to god like that always grinded my gears because i like i don't at a stage at one point in my life i was like all about like you know what i mean like just acting 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 but for me personally i started to like um not spin out but kind of go a little bit crazy because i would see people Getting like representation and stuff and things moving forward for them and acting wasn't as fast for me. Like it yeah. didn't, didn't happen so quickly.
1: But so as I said, like there's no set pace, so you could never beat yourself up for that.
0: Yeah, definitely. But like, I mean, I like my 18 year old self. I was just like beating myself up.
1: Mm. Like, Mm. why have i, am I not ahead gotten ahead. the roles that like chloe grace moretz got when she was 18 yeah i know i know the feels but everyone yeah everyone is on their different path
0: yeah for sure but i totally get you with like not there's like literally nothing else you want to do because like i totally like yeah. i was like that too and i just found production and like being in hospitality for so long as well like i kind of felt like you know if Opening up my own business would be cool one day. do You know what I mean, but it's not like at this my priority like list. Like acting and production come first, and then you know like if one okay. day I wanted to do that, I'll do that. But it's not really at the forefront of my mind. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's interesting to hear from you and like your experiences, and I'm sure that like whoever's listening to this will get some good advice from you and like. Especially, oh, gosh. <laughs> younger, like, especially younger actors though too because like I didn't start that young I, I mean I started training at 15 but I feel like that's a little older compared to some some actors that start really. yeah old. I
1: agree
0: I agree so yeah I feel like it's it's interesting to hear what you've got to say and like I've learned so I'm super excited Thank um you. To see what you do next and where you go from here, and hopefully soon we can be in LA and have that drink because I feel like fingers uh, crossed. <laughs> much needed, um, much needed drink. Definitely. But moving. So at the end of each episode that I do, mm-hmm. I want to raise awareness to something that's important to my guest and specifically tailored to my guests so each raising awareness section is different um, Beautiful. and I know that you have been quite vocal about um, endometriosis yes your journey with it and I just yeah. wanted to raise awareness because I feel like it, it needs awareness because I agree <laughs> not, not many people know about it especially no. women in our age range as well it's never really like it's spoken Mm. about now but you shouldn't know about it now you should be really knowing about it when you're in oh yeah like your younger years and in high school and learning about all of like the female reproductive parts Mm. um
1: so are you able to just tell us what exactly exactly it is sure so it's a little bit difficult to explain um without sort of involving like a personal story I guess because it gets very sciencey and just a little bit confusing. Um, I never knew what it was until I was diagnosed with it. The only way that you can get diagnosed with endometriosis is by having surgery, a laparoscopy unfortunately because there isn't enough funding about it. Um, it doesn't come up on um, scans so the only way is to do a laparoscopy, um, which is why they're so hesitant to do it, obviously, because that's, you know, that's a big surgery to have. Um, they don't know how it happens. They don't know how girls get it. It used to happen with older women and now it's happening with girls as young as 13, 14.
0: Wow.
1: Um, it's basically where endometrioma tissue grows on the outside of your uterus and your ovaries. So it shouldn't be there at all, which means that depending on what stage you have, if you have like stage one, not even stage one, you can obviously have it, you know, um, a little bit less dramatic than that. Um, It means that you will have really painful periods because every month the endometrioma will sort of flare and throb, I guess, is the best way to put it. And it feels like you're being stabbed in your um, sort of lower abdomen. Wow. and uterus. Um, so that's like that's like you know, stage one. That's when girls go, Oh, I have a really painful period. Um, why is this happening? Um, I feel really sick, I'm really moody, like I can't go to work the day of my period, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I have stage four <laughs> endometriosis. Oh my God. Um mine's a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. I also have adenomyosis, which is where endometrioma tissue grows inside your um, uterus and your ovary muscle and because it grows inside my ovary muscle um i'm in the stage right now of which i'm not going to delve into because yeah it yeah, is yeah very of course. Personal, but um yeah i'm in that stage of um unfortunately when you have adenomyosis and you have endometriosis the only um cure for it is to remove your ovaries which is very disheartening um so it's kind of an issue. That is uh, so heavy.
0: Jesus. Yeah,
1: it's kind of a an issue that I'm passionate about because if I had known earlier and I didn't let it get to stage four, then you know, I might have had more of a chance of it. I'm still learning so much about it and therefore I'm not someone that um anyone should you know, any advice that I give should definitely be taken with a grain of salt because I'm purely speaking off my experience and everyone's endometriosis experience is so vast um, here and there so everyone's going to have different advice and I only really repeat um, on my social media or on things like this what I've scientifically learnt from not one doctor not two but three and podcasts and so on and so forth Um, so yeah yeah, there's no cure there's only surgeries Um, I'm about to go in for my second surgery usually you have to have them every year Um, but yeah I definitely want to start talking about it more on my channels it's just it is such a personal topic and it's one that you as I said you really you really can't understand um the effects of it until you share your personal story about exactly. it
0: and there'd be so many girls out there that you know are probably sitting in their rooms thinking like why do I have such a painful period like i just they don't know anything uh, because okay. like I guess this is kind of moving into high school again but did you like did your yeah. school when you were at high school teach you anything about
1: like gosh no I, and like
0: do you think it fails not, like, not even about
1: the reproductive system and yeah. I, I'm, I'm only learning now actually about um the contraceptive pill and the effects yeah. of um that with endometriosis and why that may may not Um, help the condition Um, but I just think it's really ridiculous in schools that were only ever taught about it for um, protective reasons with which seems ridiculous we need to learn more about the human um, reproductive system and and a a woman's body and the effects of of taking an artificial pill every day Um, and whether you need that absolutely there's certain people and certain reasons that you do but if you don't are you really aware of what you're putting into your body and I think it's really ridiculous that doctors push it onto so many young girls when they don't know the effects of it and yeah that's and push I'm it mainly just to
0: protect protect you I mean a lot of my friends just to and like my sister just to protect from obviously getting pregnant But Mm. at the same time, you get later on in your, like, 20s or whatever and you realise, like, shit, like, I've been on the pill for so long now and, Mm. like, I'm struggling to get pregnant. And then you go back to the doctor and they're like, oh, yeah, it's because you've been on the pill for so long. And it's like, well, I would have loved to know that before, you know? Like, Yeah,
1: there's just so many things that... I mean, that's never been an experience for me, but that's just... um so many things that I think we need to teach more in schools, or at least, I think that unfortunately, we're living in a time where we need more people. Um, I have a friend, Zoe, who talks like very openly on her Instagram about taboo, I guess, female topics and women's bodies and things. We need more people like that. Um, and I'm very aware that I'm going to have to be one of those people for endo because I just can't, let other people experience the absolute dismay of of the past three years of my life because of this condition um and I'm sure the same with you that you're passionate about is like someone's got to do it and we're living in a time now where we have the platforms and opportunities too and, exactly. and <laughs> this was yeah. the main
0: reason for this podcast as well as well as like talking about like you know, industry experience, but I always wanted to have this section at the end because I feel like everyone's got something they want to talk about. and Yeah, they do. It can be, it doesn't even have to be a condition, like it can literally be something that they're just super passionate about and they want to raise awareness to. And I feel like when you um kind of came on your social media and started speaking about endometriosis, it was obvious to me that like, I needed to include this in our conversation because I, I don't know if people reach us on Instagram or whatever they reach us on, but who knows? There could be someone randomly listening to this podcast right now and going through a similar experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me talk about it. Hopefully no worries. Anymore. <laughs> I, like I
0: just want to wish you well with the next surgery and hope that, oh, thank hope you. to God that. Things work out, you know, like because it's tough. It's tough being faced with that decision that you have to be faced with. Um,
1: yeah, as it was, yeah, because
0: it kind of it messes with you mentally. But you just, you know, you. I'm sure, like your mum is beautiful. Like she did my headshots like a little while ago. Now, yeah, she's so. I'm sweet. sure she's so supportive and oh, like,
1: she is. She's at your back,
0: but you know, like it's never like there's always another like there's always
1: another option and I feel like absolutely um, yeah it's just one of those weird one of those weird conditions that we're still learning about unfortunately but hopefully in another you know 10 years or so there'll be a lot more information out there about things and and girls won't feel so alone for sure I I pray for that because we definitely
0: didn't get any of that education that we should have gone. we needed so, yeah they're they're kind of working on that in schools right now to really um fix kind of the areas the errors that they've made with I health agree. like the health subject and um not having like a life skills class even i agree um, but yeah so i guess that brings us to the end of the
1: podcast but I'm so
0: grateful to have had you on today and thankful that you were able to give up your time to come on. Um, Thank you so much for having me. No worries I'm I'm so (laughs) excited to see you on what whatever you do next like I'm I'm, you keeny, too. I'm ready I just I want to I, <laughs> I just want to see you flourish and oh same with you and do what you do best because Thank I you. feel like you have so many supporters and I'm your a big supporter of yours and oh i <laughs> just so you know, like I just like come on COVID needs to be over like COVID <laughs> is over in Australia but we need to get to LA
1: We need, we both need to get to LA and chase our goals and be in some stories.
0: Exactly. Well, I guess if you guys want to follow Lily on Instagram, you can. And your handle's at Lily Vandermeer on Instagram. It is. With the double L, guys. Double L. Double L. That's how you spell your name, yeah? Because
1: it's like everywhere. Yeah. L A double L Y, but then yeah, some productions and interviews do one L, and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> it's two Ls. Double L, I'm
0: unique, guys.
1: Yeah,
0: um, but <laughs> no. Thank you so much for coming on, and oh, I guess yeah, I I don't know, I. I can't even say much anymore because I didn't even (laughs) know where we're going to be in the next year but I'm looking forward to whatever you do and yes well thank you for having me so it means a lot no worries I'll hopefully speak to you soon great amazing thank you so much for listening to this let me talk episode please subscribe and leave a review below we can't wait for you to listen in on more exciting conversations with all our upcoming guests. If you have any specific requests on any guests that you want to hear from, please follow our Instagram at Talk underscore podcast and leave a message in the inbox or comment on a recent post.